from the yeehaws to the yahoos and everything in between this podcast is for you all right guys we're back with our next podcast part two um of getting to know a little bit about us and ashley's gonna be up next are you here with us ashley (laughs) i'm here i'm ready start slinging the questions all right so i guess let's start with your childhood um Tell us a little bit about how you got into horses. Did you have horses when you were born? Um, not when I was born, but shortly after, for my fourth birthday, uh, my parents bought me a pony, and they bought her from an auction because my parents knew nothing about horses. And actually, she and she was a good pony, but um, probably my dad just has that luck. He's like the best at picking out horses, but. They bought me a pony for my birthday, which is in June, and then um, over the winter, she started getting really fat, and my mom had some family who, you know, they knew about horses, with quotation marks, and so they, <laughs> they, kept, they told my parents that they needed to slack off, you're feeding her too much. She was pregnant! <laughs> and so, she had a baby in February... We had no clue. I mean, that's how, this is, this is how, like, you know, bad we were. And, um, so she had a baby in February. Bad. But that's just back then. I mean. Yeah. That's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have the internet to look things up. You talked to people that were around you. And my mom had had ponies growing up. And so, you know, her family, they had ponies on and off. I think it was one of those things where they got ponies and then. Um, they got them for the summer and sold them in the winter. So they had a new pony like every time, you know, they had them like six months or something. Yeah. And that was just the norm. And um, <laughs> so anyway, she had, um, she had a baby. So that was Bo, who we still have. She's 31 this year. Aww. And um, my dad, I broke her, I actually broke her when I was seven. My dad and I broke her and there's lots of funny stories with that, but she ended up being a really good pony. So I rode her mom um, the whole year I was five. I started riding by myself, and then I started running her as fast as she would go and jumping off of her when I was five <laughs> because I was bored. So my dad told what? my mom. Did you just come up with that on your own? I don't remember. You'll learn through this <laughs> podcast that I don't have a very good memory. I have no idea. My guess is I was just bored, and, like, she couldn't run fast enough for me to, like, be happy with it, I guess. Staying on. So yeah. You just felt yeah. like, let's fly off. <laughs> Dad was like, I think if she's so bored that she has to jump off the pony to have fun, that maybe it's time for something else. So they. Good call. We, yeah. So we used to do, there used to be like a, like a, I don't know if a saddle club is the right thing, but we used to actually have shows in Webster Springs, if you can believe that. And we, so we showed there. Um, Camp Caesar, there were some shows. We used to go to Marlington, um, Flatwoods. So they were just like little open shows, kind of like Flatwoods. And that's where we started. And I would take my pony and do lead line and things like that. And my mom had, she got a horse, um, I think the Christmas. So I got the pony for my birthday in June. And then my mom got a horse, uh, for Christmas that year. So the next summer... I rode the pony the whole next summer when I was five. I started riding her by myself, and we were going to some shows, and I was doing lead line and different things like that, and we met a guy. Um, his name was Jim Burks, and he, he had a daughter who was around my age, Renee, and 
so Jim had invited us over, and um, when I was six, the year that I turned six, um, my parents ended up buying me a horse from Jim, and she was a Western Pleasure horse. Her name was Snow Tardy, and she was she was fantastic. She was fun. Um, I loved her, and in the meantime, my mom wanted to barrel race, and so the horse that my dad had got her for Christmas, they sent him to Johnny Boyer, and he was, uh, we believe he was half pony, half walking horse, and Johnny was like, there is absolutely no way that this horse is going to run barrels, and my dad was like, I don't care, do what, do the best you can, and we'll just go from there, <laughs> and he actually ended up being, he, I mean, he wasn't fast, but he ended up being a really nice barrel horse, and Johnny was even like, I can't believe this horse runs barrels as good as he does, <laughs> so my mom started running barrels, and once again, in true Ashley fashion, I got bored with Western Pleasure. And my horse was, she was older when we got her. She was exactly what I needed because I was six. Um, but we had to, she had some arthritis and so we had to beat her and she eventually got um, too lame for me to show. And I was kind of, I kind of wanted a barrel race. I think my parents could see that I was going that direction. So I wanted another pleasure horse, but they kept kind of putting me off and putting me off and putting me off. And so when I was seven, they started letting me ride my mom's barrel horse at the time. And so that's kind of how that started. So I've uh, so I've been barrel racing since I was seven. So did you learn to barrel race with your mom, like at the same time? Yes. The horse basically taught us both. And that like, was, what was that horse's name? Dusty. Okay. Yes. He was a little Palomino. He was probably, probably like, I don't know, because you know when you're little, they all, they seem big. But I'd say he was like probably 14, three hands or something. He was a horse, but he was like a really small horse. Yeah. Um, so we, we both kind of learned to do that. And then Jim, Jim was really influential because he was very, very knowledgeable and they mostly had pleasure horses, but Jim just always had nice horses. He had barrel horses. He had some reining horses. And so he was helping my mom and they had, you know, not to get into, I could talk for a long time just about Jim, but they had bought, um, two really nice horses. I don't remember how it, it was within a couple years of Dusty. Because I took over Dusty when I was seven, and so they bought my mom um, a horse off of a barrel horse off of Jim, and her name was Kit Kat, and she was way too nice of a horse for us. I mean, she was like the real deal, and so that was that. She was the first horse that gave us our first taste of like what a real barrel what horse a, would feel like. Yeah. yeah. So back to Dusty when you guys first started, you guys both ran Dusty. I think mom kind of stepped off. I don't know if maybe, she, like, when I started running him, if they had bought Kit Kat, um, or if I ran him and then, you know, because I did well with him, then mom knew she was going to have to. I'm not really sure how that went, but yeah. it was around the same time. I know mom wasn't without anything for very long, um, but she did, I mean, she did run him. So I'm going to say we we probably did maybe run him at the same time for a little while, yeah. but then once she got Kit Kat, then she pretty much just gave him to me that's really cool that you guys learned around the same time to barrel race together I didn't know that I just (laughs) probably always assumed that your mom had maybe done that before you or you know when she was younger or whatever (laughs) so that's really cool um so take us to your next horse after after Dusty and Kit Kat I guess or did you did you run Kit Kat for a while yeah, so we went to a Martha Josie clinic when I was in fourth grade. 
I don't know ages. So, I mean, I ran Dusty for a few years, and my mom wanted to go to this Martha Josie clinic. So, we, my dad rode a little bit at the time, and he had a stud horse. And so, we took all three horses, my little walking horse pony. I mean, we knew nothing. Like, when I tell you we knew nothing, I am not joking. My parents locked in. Once again, my dad is super lucky with horses. He locked into these two horses. They were phenomenal. And I'm telling you, I promise you, right now, they would have been 2D, 3D horses today. They were nice freaking horses. Um, and the most well-behaved, I ran that stud horse when I was 12. So, the most wow. well-behaved horse. Um, but we went to Martha to the Martha Josie clinic and when we were out there I saw all these other kids and they were so much faster than me and like I mean I was still having fun on Dusty but on the way back from that clinic I told my parents that I wanted a faster horse I was like <laughs> so, the, so that like sparked a fire in you like <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like I'm ready like I need <laughs> I love Dusty and I didn't want to get rid of him um but I was I'm sure I was ready before that, but going out there and then kind of getting my butt whipped, I was done. So, on the way back, I told my parents that I was ready, and so then they started letting me run Kit Kat, and she was super, super, super automatic, the most automatic horse in the world, um, but still pretty fast, and so I ran her for, and my mom ran her too. Like, we both kind of ran her, um, and then she had navicular, so we had, and of course, we didn't know a whole lot, so we were, you know, trying to keep her sound, and we had, um, actually, Michael Akert hadn't been chewing for very long, and he was chewing for us, and so he um, was pretty key in, like, keeping her sound, and um, she finally got so bad that she just was laying down all the time, and we took her down to, um, I can't remember his name, a vet in Virginia, and he told us, he was like, you either nerve this horse or you put her down. Those are your only two options, and so we nerved her, and I know that that's not, I know that that's, like, um, not a good thing. You know, people were really, you know, maybe will look at us differently for that, but it saved her life, and we ran her after that. We never had any problems with it. Um, she did really well with it, actually. And was still running in, like, the 2 and 3D even being nerved. I mean, she was just a super nice horse and had a lot of heart and that kind of stuff. But um, because of her lameness issues, um, we kind of backed off. We didn't run her as much. And so then I stepped on to my dad's horse, which was the stud horse. And I think I ran him when I was, like, 11, 12, 13 maybe. And he actually ended up um, with a bone chip in his hawk. And so that kind of ended that for him. And yeah. so there we were, you know, um, we, you could still, you know, ride Kit Kat, but she really wasn't competitive enough for what I wanted to do. And we just really didn't have any other horses. So that, um, that winter my parents saved up and we had started taking Jimbo to some MBHA shows. So we had always just, even with Kit Kat, we were running on grass and we were running like, you know, the old school stuff. We weren't going to big shows where they, they drug. And I'm not sure how we ended up going to MBHA shows. I have no idea. But we had started that, um, that summer. I started taking Jimbo. Like, I remember going to Gasaway and taking him there and things like that. And he was knocking really bad. 
and I guess my dad had talked to some people that were at the show, and they said, um, Glenn Watkins is the man to, he's the man to help you, (laughs) and so he helped us with him some, and, um, so was, did you have anybody prior to that that was a mentor for you? No. So basically your horse really solely taught you how to bear oh, horse. our horses you didn't were... have anybody that absolutely was not. like this is how the pattern is and no i well, mean jim burks helped imagine. us jim burks helped us you know some and i mean my parents were smart and they were figuring things out and my mom yeah, was a nurse sure. and so like the as she learned things like she you know retained them and understood what they were and so we got better like i'm not you know i'm not saying that they weren't good at or that they stayed, you know, that way forever, but, and we had, you know, we'd been riding a while by the time, you know, I started barrel racing when I was seven, and at this point on the stud horse, I'm 12, so, like, we had yeah. learned some things, Yeah. Um. but it was probably around when I was 12 when, when we actually started running MBHA and, and getting around some people that had been, like, out of here showing and had, you know, knew a lot more than what we did. It no, wasn't just, just local play day type exactly. of Exactly, yeah. Steve Duckworth was a huge um, part. He was always super friendly. My dad made friends with Steve, which I think everybody made friends with Steve pretty quickly but because he was just such a nice guy. But I think he's the one that steered us on to Glenn because I was knocking so bad on Jimbo. And, you know, he probably needed maintenance. We, you didn't, we didn't know about maintenance. I'm not saying, like, Steve and them didn't do maintenance, but, like, we didn't even know that was such a thing. Like, a horse was a horse, and they went in, and they were in the pattern. Like, we didn't know they could get sore. We didn't know. You know, we didn't know. Well, and that, I mean, from my understanding of many different people, not just you, that was the that was the time and the old ways. I mean, you didn't know what ulcers were. They didn't exist back then and things like that. So, back to the stud horse, how did you guys find out that he had a chip in his hawk. He was he was lame. Like so lame that you couldn't be ignorant. Obvious. You couldn't be ignorant enough to not know it. You know, it yeah. was just one of those things. And we ended up taking him. What is the name of that vet? Um he is he's I think he still sees patients. I'm pretty sure that he does. Maybe I'll think of it at some point. But was anyway. it the same vet in Virginia? Yes. Yeah, we took him down there and we had Um, he took an x-ray and told us that he had a chip and so he was you know he was pretty much done so um we had kind of already been in with Glenn a little bit because of him you know because he and he had helped me with him he he took him and I don't remember how long he took him for but um he rode him and he knew the horse Glenn actually knew the horse like that's how that's how lucky we were that we had these horses like Glenn (laughs) Watkins knew these horses um because a guy named Richard Franklin um, he actually trained both of these horses and Richard, from my understanding was the real deal back then. You know, he was, um, I always heard he was really hard on them, but you know, that stud horse didn't make a peep and I was 12 and I could ride him. And they said, that's how Richard's, you know, for the most part, that's how Richard's horses were. And so I don't know how we lucked out to get two horses that, you know, Richard Franklin trained, but you know, we did. And so Glenn knew him and he helped us. And so I really didn't have anything else to ride. And Dad knew I was going to, I had been, had stuck with it this far, you know, so they saved up all year, and that was um, when they ended up buying um, Breeze for me, which was, her name was Will Love to Win, and we went to Glenn's, and I tried, like, three different horses, and she was the most expensive one, 
And I I knew that she was the most expensive one. And so we were leaving after we had tried them. And I, I really liked her. She was so fast. She was the fastest thing I'd ever sat on. But she had, like, Glenn's magic training on her. And so, like, when I took her through the pattern, she she pretty much just did the pattern, you know. I'm going to say on her own because when yeah. I say I came off automatic horses, I mean those horses went in and took care of us. Yeah. And... I didn't know what it, I didn't know what rating was. I didn't know what anything was. And so, you know, I go from these super automatic horses and, you know, this mare had an arena record with Glenn. I mean, she was the real deal around here, you know. And, but we left, uh, we actually tried her out at Jeff Michael's place and we left and I knew that she was, dad had a budget that he wanted to stay in and she was priced 5000 more than what dad's budget was. And so... I kind of knew that she was like out of our price range and I was always like a very thankful child. So I, I, you know, dad was like, if money wasn't an object, which horse was, was your favorite? And I said, well, I really like the other horse. Um, I said, I like both of them, but I said, if I had to pick one, like I like the more expensive one, which was Breeze. And so we just kind of left it at that. And I figured that I would you know, we would probably end up buying the other horse, and um, I think Dad called Glenn, and he he talked him down like three grand, and so we only paid two of course two thousand. Oh yes, yeah. he did. He yeah. is the best at Willard and Dylan. <laughs> That's right. So uh, we only paid two grand more, and um, that was the best decision we could have ever made. I mean, we tried a couple other horses, but um, she was she was my favorite, and. Um, we almost bought another horse, and thank God that fell through, um, because she was twice the horse that one was. Um, yeah. So we we really did luck into her for sure. But. She she um is what we all know Ashley from or have heard about at some point or another, and I think that's because they were a legendary team in themselves, and um that's that's cool to know that Glenn knew you before that because I didn't realize that I thought that oh we met him. had kind of started it all so, right yeah. so tell us a little bit about early days with Breeze I think um let's start there um early days so Glenn told me when I bought her that he didn't want to see me come to a barrel race until I could lope her in a circle with one hand and control her so like I could tip her nose and keep her collected which I didn't know what that meant yeah um but when we went up and rode her, Breeze was um, super fast. Glenn actually says to this day that um, her and he had a bay horse. And I can't remember what his name was now. I want to say Henry, but I don't think that's right. But he had a bay horse and he said they were the two fastest horses that he'd ever been on. And he told me that. He said, I don't want to hear of you running her. Like, you don't need to be running this horse fast. Like, don't be breezing her. Don't be, you know, don't be being a... a 13-year-old child or 12-year-old child on her. Like, this is yeah. a real horse. You know, I don't want to hear about that. And then he said, um, because, like, when I got on her, she listened and she did everything that I asked her to do. But, you know, they, they kind of are, like, a little bit high-strung because, yeah. you know, they don't know you. And I'm sure that I was doing all the wrong things. And so he told me, he said, take this horse home, trail rider. He said, I want you to practice like moving her over because I didn't my horses did everything I didn't know how to move horses over I didn't know how to rate horses and this mare was a free runner so (laughs) there was no rate to this horse unless you picked her up and you know asked gave her the cue to rate she would run to the fence 
if you didn't, which we did a lot. And um, so he said, you need to be able to, I want her head down and I want you to be able to, to calmly lope circles with one hand and I want you to be able to, to push her out and bring her back in and just lope really nice collected circles. So I did that. I took her home. I probably rode her a month. And it took a couple weeks before I felt like she was what I thought was a collected circle. And so, um, after about a month, we ended up going to 4T Arena. That's whenever they they were still having shows at 4T. Yeah. And we took her to 4T, and it was a tiny pin. Like, that is a teeny, teeny, tiny pin. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's yeah. like a 12 or 13 second pin. I've never pin. shown there, but I've been there to look at a piece of equipment once. Okay. Yeah, it's real small. Gotcha. So, she got second. So, our very first barrel race, we won wow. second. So, I went from, like, 3D horses to, like, almost winning Winnie the barrel the race. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, we were like, heck yeah. I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> and then, if you know Glenn horses, um, Glenn's horses, it the training stays with them. So, you go and that training will stay on those horses for a few weeks. And then, it slowly, if you don't step up and you don't ride, and you don't do what you're supposed to, then just like a child or an animal or anything would, you start losing some of that training. And so that's what happened. And it it wasn't for lack of trying on my part, and I think Glenn would tell you that, but it was it was lack of knowledge. I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. Yeah. And so... And no, like, mentor that no you're guidance. riding with daily to no. notice it right away. Right. So... Yeah, Glenn would Glenn was always good about helping us and you know, I would come out of the pen and it would it was never I'm not gonna say we didn't have a train wreck. I'm sure we probably did, but we went deep and deep and deep and deep and went to the fence and I would pull her and she would fall apart and I would send her to, we would send her back to Glenn. My my parents were they were for people who didn't know anything about horses, they were the best at doing stuff correctly. And I don't know if they knew what they were doing or if it, you know, like, or if it was just what they thought was right. I don't know. Probably a a lot of willingness to, I think that's a testament to them to know, like, they didn't know it, but they were willing to learn it and do it. To find the right people. And you have to be willing to do that to be successful and things not to fall apart at some point in our industry. Right. So we would go and we showed a lot. And I would run her like three times a show. And that's what you, you know, you go to open shows and you you are in a million classes. And so, you know, we didn't, we knew nothing. So I was running her in the youth and the open. And then she, there there used to be like the contest riders uh, was a thing at that time. And they had like a junior horse class. Well, they would. And there was no rollovers or Oh, no. Like oh, heck no. Time. You ran your horse. Like they would have probably died if no they would have not had rollovers I'm sure back then but so there was a junior horse class and Breeze was so she was she turned five um the year that we bought her she turned five so um here I am you know coming like 13 or 14 coming off of automatic horses and then we buy a five-year-old horse that already has an arena record (laughs) that is a free runner so like you know the only thing that was good was I could sit in the middle like that was the only thing that we had like going for us and and this mare was not stupid she didn't rear she didn't buck there was no silliness and so anyway I would screw her up 
and we would take her to Glenn. And Glenn would ride her for two weeks, and he would fix her. And then I would go up in those two weeks. My dad would take me up after school, usually a couple days. Like, usually we'd go up, like, four times, like, two times a week. And I would ride with Glenn. And Glenn would be like, you have to you have to get her nose. You have to get her nose. And I did not know what that meant. I had no idea. I had no concept of rate. I had no concept of anything. So, he was at one, like, I remember one time he said, I'm, like, he said, I can see that you're trying to do what I'm telling you to do, you know, but it basically he was like, but you're not. And so, we probably struggled. I mean, we had good, we had a decent run here and there, but we ran to the fence and this mare was, when I tell you she was fast, I know I've already said that, but she was so fast and she could run to the fence and she could still clock. Now she didn't win, but she would still clock in the like one, two D, even running so to the fence. So even when you weren't doing great on her, you were still faster than the third division. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were just, but we were just like ping pongs, like off the pin. And the only thing that saved us was that she was so freaky. And we might get like one barrel. We weren't necessarily going by every barrel, but her first barrel was her worst barrel. And you know, if you don't get the first, it kind of throws everything else off. But I will say she was very honest. And so knocked barrels were not a thing with her. So that was nice that I didn't, she didn't fall apart in that aspect. So with, with that, knowing that you bought a horse with an arena record, because you were a kid, did you feel the pressure to want, did you feel any pressure to have to do well on her? Was there any point where you maybe got discouraged and didn't want to do it anymore? Or was you, you were already faster than what you previously were on your other horses, so it really didn't matter? No, I was, I never felt any pressure. I mean, I always wanted to do better, but, um... No, I think I just loved it so much that it didn't really it was matter. Fun and I never won and I think I didn't realize it was never about the trophies. Like I didn't I wasn't trying to win a buckle or a saddle or I mean I was just there because I wanted to be there. Like I yeah. I wanted to do the best that I could do, but I didn't care. I wasn't mad at my horse because we didn't win. Like I didn't care. I was just thankful to be there and go in the pen and yeah. I just wanted to, to do better. And yeah, I mean the the longer we did it, and then you you know you see people winning and things like that. I mean, I'm not saying that that didn't become a goal at some point, but in the beginning, no, I'm not gonna say I didn't get frustrated. Um, but I don't ever. I know for sure that there was never a well. I don't want to go in, or I don't want to go to the next one, or I mean, I couldn't wait to go to the next one. There yeah. was, there was never anything, and my parents didn't put any pressure. I mean, they they wanted me to get better, but there was no like you know, you didn't do, you didn't do good enough or we're wasting our money or, I mean, there was never any of that. Um, so it was just basically the first year it was just running two or three barrel races, take her to Glenn for a couple weeks and go ride with Glenn. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, now she's fixed and Glenn would always fix her. And then she would stay together for a couple runs and then it would start unraveling again because I wasn't doing anything, you know, I'm just sitting so there. So is this where your um, anti-neck reining comes from. <laughs> yeah. If you guys have been around Ashley very long or ridden with her, asks her advice, she will point out very quickly to you that you are neck reining your horse around the barrel, <laughs> which I'm bad about, and she can't stand it. So is the, does that come from Gwen? Yeah, because you can't, yeah, because you don't have any control when you, I mean, right. the only way you can do that is if you have a really stiff horse, but you know, this that is rolls when, back. But this is when yeah, that because, came into play? Is that what you were doing? 
Um, somewhat because the our horses were so automatic that you didn't really it's have easy to, to do just anything. Yeah, the I probably wasn't doing anything with the other horses, and and she, you had to you had to get her inside nose or, or get her nose to the inside, and you had to kind of pick up and you know let her know that you wanted her to rate. Yeah. So it wasn't that she was doing anything wrong. It was that I wasn't cueing her, but I didn't know how. And right. then I'll just I'll never forget. I was I was actually at Glenn's, and I did it accidentally. I just did it accidentally, but, but I felt it and I knew like, as soon as it happened, I was like, Oh my, my God, that's exactly what he's been trying to get me to do this whole time. And so from then <laughs> it was, I mean, I'm not, it wasn't perfect from then, but then it was more a timing thing because yeah. I actually kind of understood it. And you had the tools. So you just had to know exactly, exactly the time to use it. So it was probably the middle of the, of the next summer before we really got it together. And then, um, once once we got together, then we started winning. She started winning a lot. I mean, I knew from that second summer on, like, I knew when she went in the pen, she had the ability to win. Like, Yeah, I've had many people tell me that she was the horse that you ran to the fence to watch. Yeah. But, yeah. She was. She was fun. She was. And there were other people. Allie Fox, um, Tessa. She's Tessa-based and now. Um, she had a super, super nice horse. I remember Steve and uh, Billy Ross, they used to always say that they were going to, um, they weren't going to let the youth run in the open because it would always, <laughs> it was always like me, Allie, and Tessa that would like, we would so either they just win or. you three out, it would have <laughs> been fine. And I'm not saying there weren't other kids. I, I mean, there were, but that was just my like group of, you know, that was just my group of friends and they, they both had really nice horses. There was other Youth that that had nice horses too, but I'm just saying, like you know, I just know we we always hung out together, and we all three had really nice horses, and so it was um, it was a lot of fun, and she took me a lot of places that I I actually she took me a lot of places that I didn't know I wanted to go because I didn't know they existed, and then it was just like we'd go somewhere and she would you know win her place, and we would qualify for things, and then we would go, and then we would hear about other things, and you know so. She just opened a lot of doors, and I met a lot of people um, because of her and, you know, different things like that. So, she was she was cool. And so, how long did you run her? I ran her, so that was, so we, we qualified for, um, so I got her, I think my freshman year in high school. We struggled, but we showed AQHA as well. So, we showed AQHA, and then we showed MBHA. And within the the first year we had her, we did qualify for the world show within like um, six months. I think we qualified, and we ended we went to the world show in two thousand two, and she ended up making the finals, and she ended up being fourteenth in the junior horse class at the world show. Really and awesome. um, that year was the year that Jackie Doobie, um, Jackie Yotzlau, now yeah. she won it on. I think it was Rooster that year. Oh, so you ran against her? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, like the second year that I had Breeze. I mean, I didn't even really know who she was at that time. Yeah. You know, I didn't know who anybody was. Um, but I was like the youngest, I think I was the youngest person that qualified that year. And so they left a note on our stall. Um, it was like the journal, like QHA journal, and they wanted to do an interview. So we did an interview and then I got to do, um, a photo shoot with Marley McRae. Does well. anybody have that interview to this day? I'm sure my mom does. I'm sure she does. I think that um, if we can convince Angie to find it, we need to play that interview at some point on one of our podcasts. That'd yeah. be really cool. Yeah. So we did that, and then I did a photo shoot with Marley McRae, and that was when she was running the black stud horse. Foles Classy Snazzy or something, I think was his name. And I didn't know who Marley McRae was yeah. at the time. I had no idea. 
like I said, we didn't know a whole lot. Um, and the Quarter Horse Journal, like the month or two after that, there is it. It is of Marlene McRae. Like she is on the cover of the Quarter Horse Journal, and that was that picture of her. They cut me out of it. So like, <laughs> like that was our photo shoot. Like that oh, picture, <laughs> like that picture on the cover of the journal was our photo shoot. But they cut me out of it. Like I was not, I was cool enough to interview, but not cool enough to be on the front of the Quarter Horse Journal. So you know, whatever, it's fine. But um, so you know, she she did things like that. So, and then she um was the state NBHA. You know, she won the state show. Um, once the open once she won the youth once she would have the year that she won the youth she would have also won the open but she knocked a barrel and you had back then in mbha you also had to run both yes yeah um but she knocked she tripped um i I was gonna say what she didn't do very much no she the whole time i ran her which was probably i don't know six years something like that she knocked maybe four times and we showed a lot back then. Like, we showed a lot. And so, anyway, she would have won the Youth in the Open that same year. But she knocked, so she won the Youth. She won the Open another year. Um, I feel like she... I know she was... I think she was reserved, like, once or twice. Um, and then she... I high school rodeoed on her a little bit. Did you ever get to go to Congress? I know that you qualified, but did you ever show her at Congress? I think we... I don't know if if I did. I don't think so. I don't think I ever ran her at the Congress. Um, I don't think I did. If we did, I don't think we did very well. If what we ran about there. the MBHA World Show? Did you ever go there? No. So we went to the Youth World, and okay. Breeze was Breeze was real funny about like ground. That was that was the one thing I would say that she wasn't great about. That was the one thing that was really irritating with her was. The ground. She did not like sandy ground or sifty ground. And if she felt that it was sandy or sifty, she was checking up. And she, and so. She passed that on to her babies. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. (laughs) At least one of them. Yeah. One of them she did. to be determined with the others. (laughs) Yes. So, um, anyway, she never did really, really well at any of the world shows besides the AQHA, um, the open world. And then we went to the high school finals in Gillette. And she was in, like, the top 25 there. Um, I don't know. She was cool. There was this, there was all kinds of things. that, And there there weren't as many. I don't know. I mean, we did, we did a lot of, of the things that we could do. But there's a lot more stuff, you know, available now. Or I guess maybe it's just easier to find out about. I don't know. Yeah, I think, um, you know, back in that time for someone in West Virginia, you know, from Webster County to go to places like that's pretty cool. Right. And not very common. Right. Yeah, I didn't do any sports really. I was a showgirl one year in high school. But then I quit the next year because the world show was the same week as band camp. And oh. the director told me that I had to be at band camp. So he said, you either show up to band camp or you're done. And I said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> so I went to the world show and I never regretted it. I, I liked it, but I never regretted that. So... Um, I, I don't know. She was cool. She was fun. So when did you stop running her? Why did you retire her? So, um, I don't know what year it was. I retired her in 2009. Um, I do know that. 
at the MBHA State Show. That was the last show that I ran her at, and I planned it. Um, that was that was what I had planned to do because uh, a couple years before that, she had, we think, gotten bit by a brown recluse spider. She had gotten bit by something. And Virginia Tech told us because of the way that it acted, they felt like it was a brown recluse bite, but whatever, we don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but because of that bite, she got kind of like advanced arthritis for, I don't, I guess is what you could say. She just her She just kind of got arthritis all over. She started getting sore and we would, you know, take her to the vet. And then we ended up, we, I had never had to inject her or do anything like that. And after that bite, um, she was off for, she, she got really sick from it. It actually like made her lethargic. We didn't know what was going on. Um, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, she spent like three days in the hospital for it. Um, and then finally they figured out she had had like a knot on her leg and I had seen it. She'd had it all week, but it just, it was hard and there was no scratch. There was no cut. There was nothing. She was acting normal. I didn't have any, I mean, I was 14, but I didn't have any reason to think there was anything wrong. And we were going to, we were getting ready to leave for the youth world and we were going to get, um, health papers and we stopped to get fuel and she was like, and I, it was really, really hot that day, and we thought she was having a heat stroke, but really she was just having no reaction to whatever had happened, finally. Um, so anyway, long story short, they ended up putting a drain tube in, and she was off for like three or four months, and maybe five months. I ended up just giving her the rest of the year off, because that happened in July. And they told us we were actually supposed to go to the Congress and run that year. We'd already sent our money in. That was the year. I don't think I had ran other than that at the Congress. Um, but we'd sent our money in. And, of course, we didn't get to go to the World Show because she got sick right before it. And then we took her to, I don't remember if it was Ohio State or back to Virginia Tech. No, it was to Rudin Riddle. We took her to Rudin Riddle. And they asked, we asked them because it had been like three months. And um, they told us that you know, they could probably get her back together to go to the Congress. Um, but they didn't really advise it that what they just felt like she needed a little bit more time. And so of course we just, we gave her the, I just gave her the rest of the winter off. And then when we came back in the spring, she was just stiff. And so we started having to inject her a lot. And, and honestly, um, I mean, we did inject and there was that, but there wasn't near as much knowledge around that as what there is now. You know, and I think yeah. I probably could have ran her a lot longer had that been now. But for the knowledge that we had, um, I just, she was kind of starting to slow down a little bit. And I'm sure it was just, even though we were vetting her, maybe, you know, not vetting her enough or not vetting her correctly. Or, you know, I, I don't know at this point, but she was kind of starting to slow down. She was starting to run in the 2D some, and I just decided that, you know, I didn't want, my biggest thing was I didn't want people to say that she used to be a nice horse. Yeah. Like, you know, so, um, I decided that the state show was going to be our last show. And like I said, that was in 2009 and she qualified back for the finals. Um, and she tripped in the finals and fell into the second barrel and knocked the second barrel, but she would have been third had she not done that. So, it sucked that she didn't place, but just knowing that she kind of, you know, basically went out on top and yeah. made me, you know, made me happy. And I've never regretted that decision. I hated, she. I think she was 12 
whenever we retired her. And like I said, I got her when she was five. So, and we really never had any summer that like, I didn't get to run her or anything like that. So I pretty much ran her that whole time. And then I, I decided, um, I wanted to go out on top and that's what I did. And I thought I struggled for a long, like for a long time, I just had young horses and it really sucked going from the top to starting over and not having another horse to do it with. Um, and I thought about bringing her back, but I am so happy that I did not. I'm so happy that I left it where it was. Yeah, I, that's, that's a testament to you, you know, when almost everybody else probably would have kept running her. And um, it's awesome that she got to go out on top because not a lot of horses do. And for you to get her when you were young and you guys to kind of grow up together, I'm sure that that even made it a harder decision to, you know, she was so familiar to you and to not have her on your trailer anymore. So take us to what came next. Huh. A lot of um, disappointment and a lot of <laughs> lack of confidence and oh my gosh, I had, I think so, um, I had bought Reese in that amount of time. Um, I had, no, so I bought Oakley that the Beckless have now. I bought her as a four-year-old off of Glenn and I bought her before I retired Breeze. So I had started running her, but she was running about a second off and I liked Oakley. There was absolutely nothing wrong with her. She was not, there was not a stupid bone in her body. Um, she just, I just really never clicked with her. She just, I, I think I kept her two years. I'm pretty sure that she was six when I sold her to, um, Whitney and then I bought um, Reese, which is, it's five o'clock somewhere. And I bought her as a four-year-old off of Sean and Scott Darnold. That was, they had um, Buck, which was Martha's Frenchman. And they had a bunch of nice brood mares. And Reese was out of their mare. I think her name was KJ's brother. Yeah. And um, she was she was the first horse that I bought that was actually bred well. Because like... <laughs> bloodlines were not a thing really yeah. here I mean I know they were to some people but to the circle that we ran in bloodlines were not a thing Glenn Watkins can make a walking horse into a 1d barrel horse I don't care what so anybody says so bloodlines did not matter and I'm not I, I do think bloodlines matter but I'm just saying up until that point um but you know we I was an NBHA member and so I was seeing Frenchman's guy and so it was like really cool oh, to yeah. have because she's a granddaughter of Frenchman's guy and so it was just super cool that she was my first like designer you know cult yeah. and she was really small though she was really small and I wasn't very big but I really was at the time as her as a four-year-old I was probably a little bit too big for her maybe um, so anyway, I seasoned her. She was all I had to ride. I liked her. She was talented. I knew that she was talented, but, um, I ended up selling her to what ended up being, um, one of my best friends. She's like my sister, Sarah Helmick, and they kept her at our house. And so it was like a win-win for me because, um, I got to sell her and I got to move on, but I got to keep her. Yeah. And I actually had like a lot of say over what we did with her because Sarah was 10 years younger than me. So I was kind of like a coach, you know, for lack of a, a better word. So I basically got to call all the shots, um, but I didn't have to ride her. So it was, you know, it was like a, it was great. It worked out really well. And then I think after I sold her, I bought um, Passum Rare Perks, which was Presley, and she was my dream horse, my absolute dream horse. She was 
a daughter of Perks Master. Did you have famous before? After? Um, after. after. And um, I bought her off of Lenny Massett, and she was, I think she was four also. What it is with me and four-year-olds, I don't know. Um, but she was four. I think maybe Winnie had been on her once, but I broke her. And then um, at that time was when um, Glenn's wife had cancer and he wasn't able to ride. And because we we sent everything to Glenn at that time. And so I actually, we talked to some of her friends. We talked to Steve. We talked to Bill. We talked to some people and they said, you need to send her to um, Larry Clark. And I think he's in Illinois. And so Bill Ross hauled her out for us and Larry kept her for a month or two. And he told me this mare is really, really nice. He was like, I don't want it. I don't want Bill calling me, telling me you won the barrel race on this horse. (laughs) Whenever you get her home, he's like, I want you to go slow with her because she's going to be really nice. Just let her come on, let her, you know, whatever. And she was the first thing that I had truly been just like so excited about since Breeze. And it had been like a few years. And since I had won or my, my mom had um, a paint horse named Fonzie. And so she would let me jump on and ride him some. And so I feel like maybe he was what kept my confidence up up until that point. Yeah. Um, and um, so anyway, Presley, I think the first or second horse show I had her to, she ran um, like four tenths off of the horse that that won the senior class at Lexington, um, that Ducky (laughs) Keller ran. He had come to a horse show that we were at and he won the barrel race and she was like four tenths off of him. And I was just like, holy crap, this horse is nice. And I think that was the last good run I had on her. (laughs) Um, so she, we didn't know it at the time. Um, I had had her a few places, um, had a few people look at her and, um, she ended up having a chip and I didn't know she really wasn't lame. She walked flat footed in the pen. I didn't, she just knocked. The only thing that she did was she was just like impossible to keep off of the barrels. And, um, so that was a big lesson learned, um, for me with her. That was the first, um, probably true like lameness that I had to deal with. Oh, and you say have like trouble keeping her off the barrels. I think a lot of people don't realize. So it's really cool that you brought that up. That that can come from anxiety, mm-hmm. and that's what being she had. In pain, and so they want to hurry up and turn. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool. she didn't do anything stupid. She just, I just could not. I just could not. We just knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked. And I just, you know, that just gets that just really blows your confidence after a while. You know, you're yeah. just like, I can't ride. Like I can't ride this horse. I can't. And I just, you know, I just, and I don't blame the horse hardly ever. You know, I always think it's me and. So, you know, it wasn't that she was doing anything bad. I just thought, I'm not good enough to ride this horse. I'm not good enough to get around the pattern. And so, you know, I really struggled with her to the point that I ended up selling her as a broodmare because I, you know, I, we had her um, to a couple of different places and they, they told us that there was different things wrong with her. And um, we tried some, like, corrective shoeing. Like, I don't want to sound like we, we didn't do things. I did do things. I'm just not going to go into all the things that I did with her. But I did try um, some stuff. But um, she ended up having a chip. That was the – we missed it. And she had a chip. And um, I sold her as a broodmare um, with with the – if they could get her sound, like, go for it. But I I sold her as a broodmare to the Beckless. And then they took her to their vet. And, um, he had found, he found the, the chip 
And so, but she was kind of so. At the time, was Dr. Reiner's servant or another? Yeah, one? it was Dr. Reiner's. Oh, it was really the full Re- circle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was Dr. Reiner's that found the chip, and um, so. She, but she was already had so much anxiety and things like that that you know they just ended up breeding her and you know so um, they have a baby out of her um, so hopefully you guys will get to see him soon. Yeah, his name that'll is, be really cool. His name is Willie. So when you <laughs> see Whitney on Willie, that baby is out of Presley. Ashley's gonna be running to the pen. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm definitely all Not about that. Not that we don't already for Whitney, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and then, in the meantime, while I had um, Presley, we ended up buying Smart and Famous. Um, we called her Famous off of Sean and Scott. And she is actually the mama to Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. So cool. Yeah. So, so cool. Yep. So, Sean and Scott did a really, really good job with that. Their breeding program was nice, and it was um, nothing that West Virginia had seen, you know, they did a, they did a fantastic job, um, getting buck and, and, you know, that was kudos to them. They put some extremely nice horses out into the world. And, um, so we ended up buying famous and then we bought a yearling colt out of famous and buck who was bourbon, who my mom still has. And then we ended up getting, in that deal, we ended up getting a free breeding to buck for Breeze. So, um, I got famous and I tried to run her and she was older already. I think she was like maybe 12-ish. I can't remember exactly. Whenever we got her um, and she was kind of a barrel crusher. Man, she was super nice, but it was, she was tough to keep barrels up on. And we knew that when we bought her, it wasn't, we knew that. But yeah. we just always figured if I couldn't run her that we could breed her. And, you yeah. know, so it was it it was fine. Um, so we ended up getting the free breeding. And I we did it. And I, I bred Breeze that year. And actually Chuck Givens bred her for us. And that was Finley. We ended up getting Finley from that, out of that deal too. So I guess you could say we got Finley and Bourbon and Famous out of that deal. <laughs> So I think that you guys came out on top. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I tried to run her for like a couple years and she was knocking. So that like, I I just went from Presley who, you know, had all these issues and I couldn't ride. And then I went to famous and I really, my confidence wasn't super shot. Um, and then I got on famous and I couldn't ride her and I kept telling myself, you know, she's tough to ride and we knew that. And so you know, she definitely didn't help my confidence, but I don't know that she heard it. But we decided we were going to breed. So, um, I bought a yearling off of Bill Myers, um, a yearling stud colt off. Actually, it was, uh, he was, we bought him from Chad, who is, Chad Myers, who is Bill's son. Okay. And so, we went out and we picked him up and that was WTW Perks of Being French Happy. So, happy is, as we all know, he Good is a thorn in my side. <laughs> um, but, so, we bought him um, around the same time that we had Famous. I, we bought him after, but then our plan was, you know, to eventually breed him to Famous. Um, and so, but for the following year, we actually tried to breed Famous back to Frenchman's Guy. And we tried three times that year, and we could not get her in full. And 
Um, we had bought two other broodmares off of Jonda Cox. We bought um, Blondie. What was her name? I can't remember what her... I can't not remember what her registered name was. Anyway, she was Fuel and... She's um, JC that Jamie Huffman has. That was her baby. And then Image that Morgan Mullins that has now. Hot Colors? Isn't Colors? I can't Colors? remember. She was an own daughter of Hot Colors. Um, and we had bought her from Jonda. And then we bought a uh, own daughter of Bully Bullion out of. She was. So she was by Bully Bullion. And then she was out of a daughter of Firewater Flit. And. Her name was, um, she's a fire and bully, and we called her Fruity, and that is the mare that Mary, um, Mary Let, Mary Helen Let has now, yeah. and she's done a fantastic job with her. She has lots of, lots of nice babies now. Um, so we had those three mares, and our plan was to breed them to other stuff until Happy got old enough to breed, and then we were gonna, you know, kind of start our own little breeding program. And what were your plans during this time for running? Not really much. Um, so I had Happy. I had sent Happy off for like six months somewhere. And my plan was to run him and prove him. Okay. And then, um, because we had to, like, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to breed him until he had done something. And, you know, we were trying to do it the right way. And so we had tried to to breed her to Frenchman's guy and we hadn't got it and the over the winter um Sean and Scott had called and they wanted to know if I would sell her back and we went back and forth but we ended up we ended up selling her back to Sean and Scott um and so then we just had Fruity and then I had of course I had Breeze too so I had Fruity Breeze and then I had Blondie um to breed and so we bred them you know a couple years um we bred the first year we bred fruity to a streak of fling and we got um he's a fiery fling that the delancey's house have now cindy and david delancey um, we didn't sell him to them uh, i sold him to a lady in kentucky and then i think they bought him from her but either way um he came from us and then and what was his initial name so his yes so his we figured somebody would keep him as a stud so his name was actually wtw swagger like jagger okay and i (laughs) called we called him swag and then now i think they call him mick okay and they but they did uh, but he is in fact the same horse he is in fact the same horse so don't think i'm crazy when i share it and um yeah so he is he is the same horse and then she had um Sawyer, who's actually for sale and somebody needs to buy. <laughs> um, but he is, um, he was a Stoli My Heart, so we bred her to Stoli My Heart and we got him. I think it's WTW Kiss Me, Don't Diss Me. And you always come up with the coolest names. <laughs> well, I don't think the announcers would agree. <laughs> Ask Scott, uh, Scott Brown, would you agree that my names are cool? I don't think so. <laughs> so I didn't say they were easy to read. <laughs> I just said they were cool. Okay. <laughs> and then we bred. Um, we also we bred her the next year to streak into fame. And then we got um, Seamus, who was WTW, Don't Seamus, We Famous. And 
uh, who was the other baby? Oh, we, we bred, um, so we bred Blondie, which that was, so Sawyer, the kiss me, don't diss me. He was out of Blondie, um, the hot colors bear. Yeah. And actually when we bought her, she was bred to Justin's rear fuel. Cause we had bought her off of Jonda, bought both of those mares off Jonda and, um, Fruity, the bully boy. And she had actually lost the baby in January and we bought them like in the spring. And so she had just lost the baby, the baby, like three or four Two or three months before we bought her, but this mare, this mare was in foal, and so he ended. She actually ended up falling out at our house, and that was um, Rick Beckless, um, fuel horse that he cool. was. He came from us, so um, he's WTW just in time to be bad. So he was our first um, Finley, and then um, I think Fuel was our second baby that we ever had, which I didn't breed him, but still he was born at my house, so. Um, and then we bred Blondie that next year to a smooth guy. And that's when we got Image, which is Morgan Mullen's horse. Um, she's WTW Imagine Me Blonde. And so I think those are, those are all the babies that we had, except for mine that I kept out of Breeze. So before we talk about Breeze's babies, cause that's a whole other <laughs> um story and yeah um what made you decide to breed and why did you go down that road was it just because you had to retire your mare or was there other reasons yeah I just didn't have anything I really wanted to run and I, I I thought it was something that I would really enjoy and so you know we kind of jumped in and and we were kind of gonna you know we were like go big or go home and so we bought the nicest bread stuff that we could get and and that's when you know we bought happy and then my dad he did help me um he kind of partnered with me on a couple of the mares and and things like that I can't leave that part out because he was a huge help and you know my husband does not like horses but he was very (laughs) like supportive and he likes to pet them on the forehead and (laughs) But he's not much into horses, but he was really supportive too. And, um, his family, they're, they're my mother-in-law and, uh, Sonny and, you know, his whole family, they're his dad and they're really supportive and helpful. And of course my mom, um, but I think we all know her and we all know she's supportive. So, yeah, um, you have a really good support system. Yeah. So how many babies all together did you have out of your program? So we had fuel the first year. Well, we had Finley. We had fuel the next year, and then we had the three. We had Chesney, Image, and Swag, the first year, and then the next year we had Seamus, Sawyer, and Timber, and then I. So I do. Um, you know, the horses are my thing and my husband is into, um, he likes dirt cars and racing and things like that. So we had, um, I always said, you know, I had happy and then I had, at the time I had Presley and I had the, you know, the three brood mares and then we had babies. And like at one time we had 11 horses and I know that doesn't sound a lot to some people, but when you're doing it by yourself and you work a full-time job, I just found that I was doing nothing but cleaning stalls and, feeding horses like and I had 11 horses and I had happy was too young and I had one horse to ride and I'm just I just got so burnt out like you know we live so far away from everything and when he was that one horse um Presley and I wasn't doing very well on her and 
then, you know, we live so far from the vet. Like, you think West Virginia is in the middle of nowhere until you come to my house, and then you learn. <laughs> you or, really in the middle of nowhere. then you're really in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, even Winnie Massett did all my breeding, and I, I give him props. Um, he AI'd for us, and, you know, he he's very, very knowledgeable. I don't think he does it anymore, Winnie Massett. Um, but he's, he's very good at it. And, you know, I had, um, Lynn helped me a lot with stuff and, um, as well, but they're, they're just far, you know, when he was two hours away. And so it, it was not convenient to Lynn would come to the house and she would ultrasound for us, you know, which was super duper convenient, but nothing was close. Like, and then it was just easier for us to leave mares there, you know, just to leave them at the vet. And so that adds mare care and, you know, it was just really tough. And I just, after, you know, three years, I know they say you got to be tough. And I guess I wasn't tough enough because I was just over it. And then actually, you know, when he had, if he didn't stop breeding the first year, he stopped within like a year or two. Um, so then it was like, you know, because the other vets around here can do it, but they don't have time. You know, you have to breed a mare when it's, when it's ready and, you know, and I mean, Lynn, I think she bred a mare for us one year. Um, but you know, she's so busy. She can't commit to breeding four or five mares a year. You know, I mean, they just don't have time for that stuff. You got to breed the mare when it's ready to breed. It doesn't go on your, you know, it's not on your time. It's on her time. And it's just, she doesn't care if you have, you know, 50 other clients that week. (laughs) Absolutely not. Like when it's time to breed, it's time to breed. And so it just wasn't, it just was getting harder and harder to, for it to even be realistic to do. And, you know, we unfortunately don't have an endless amount of money. And breeding is such a waiting game. You know, like I knew the babies that we produced were nice babies. I mean, how could they not be? You know, I knew that our program was good, quality over quantity. Like I'm a huge believer in that. And I knew that the quality was there. But, you know, to have the money to sustain that, over you know for years and years because it takes a long time to get like established like I feel like you know in the last two years people are just starting to see like what we did you know the results of five six seven years ago people are just now starting to see that and you know we just we just didn't have the funds to to do it like we wanted to do it and um I just was so tired of having one horse to run because I, I couldn't afford more horses because just in Bears and Babies, I had six horses, you know, and then I had my stud cold and, you know, so I just kind of got burnt out on it, to be completely honest. And then the resources were harder and harder to, to come by. And when you are breeding three mares, you better have a freaking good repro vet because if you don't, you are throwing money down the drain. Throwing money down the drain. Yeah. So... I just was kind of like, I think I want to be done for a little bit. Of course, you know, I kept Breeze, but we sold um, both the broodmares, and I kept her. Um, and then I just didn't have any babies. We sold most of the babies down. I kept, um, I was going to keep three, and then I actually, I needed an open horse. And so I ended up um, trading um, Seamus. Um, I ended up kind of doing a deal with Cody and Whitney McLaughlin on colors with Seamus and had no intentions of really selling him, but I was ready to, I was ready to show and get back into it at that point. I had taken, I mean, I was showing here and there, but not serious. And I'm not going to lie. I had contemplated just, you know, not, I thought about just selling everything and I thought, well, maybe I'll just breed and I won't show, you know, but that's not where my heart is. It's not inbreeding. I love it, and I, I would like to still do some of it here and there. 
Um, but that's not what I want to do all the time. So before we get um, back to when you started barrel racing again, tell us about Breeze's babies. Let's talk a little bit more about them. Of So I, um, we got the first baby, which was Finley, WTW, uh, Winnings of Breeze that Becca Eastridge runs. And I never, ever thought I would sell her. And my friends also didn't think I would sell her. But I had bred Breeze. Um, Finley was a coming two-year-old, I think. And I had actually, I, I didn't breed Breeze. We tried to breed her. So we had, we bred her to Martha's Frenchman. We got Finley. That year, we tried to breed her back to Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. And we got a baby at, we had a baby at like 13, 14 days, and then when we rechecked again, she had lost it. Mm. So. What a heartbreaker. Yeah, <laughs> especially now. And. Well, I have to tell a little funny story right here. So, it it's kind of um, goes back to Ashley's memory, but when I was breeding collars or deciding who to breed her to, um, everybody had told me, you know, hot collars and Frenchman's guys, the magic cross, it's the magic cross. So I was looking for a Frenchman's guy stud and I happened to just randomly come across, ain't seen nothing yet. I had no idea, um, you know, that he was bred by the Darnolds or, you know, that, that he was a West that, Virginia. That he was, yes. And had no idea Ashley knew him. And I texted her and I remember texting her and being like, this is the stud that I think I'm going to breed to. And of course, looking for her approval because she loved collars. And um, she was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about him. <laughs> that was before he was like, you So know, this is like Ashley's memory. Yeah. Yeah. At like It years. was actually the year before he, he really, really took off that I bred to him. So yeah. Yeah. He was easy to forget about then, but not so much now. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say he was easy to forget about ever, except my memory. Well, is so just terrible. for a person like you, <laughs> my memory's so bad that, yeah. Um, so anyway, we we never did get that baby. I, um, the next year, I actually ended up selling that breeding, and um, so she didn't have a baby the following year. And then I ended up taking her. Um, to Jonda because we thought that maybe there was an issue with like you know something with the semen because we had never AI'd her she'd always been live she we had live covered her before and we were like she got bred the first time and you know um, she's actually bad about having twins Finley was actually a twin and they had pinched um, one off and I told Winnie that he pinched my buckskin my buckskin filly <laughs> off and he left us the sorrel filly but um so I think just that sorrel filly's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she definitely has not been a disappointment. That's for sure. But um, so we didn't get a baby the next year, and then I don't remember. I think it was the following year. We might I might have waited two years. I don't know. I'm a little bit slow with things. I don't get in a hurry about a whole lot of stuff. Um, but anyway, I ended up taking her to Jonda, and we bred her to JJ Justin's Refuel, and she took the first time and. We put her on Regimate, which we hadn't had to do before, and I think that was the, the biggest thing was, was the Regimate, but um, that was when we got Chesney, um, who is WTW um, Easy Breezing Bayou, and that is has been my main horse for the last, I guess, three years now. Was there just something special about her that made you decide to sell Finley, or... So she was... She was pregnant 
um, with Chesney um, that spring. And Becca was looking for a horse. And I don't know why. I didn't even really know Becca very well. Becca Did you was, sell her as a two-year-old? Yeah, she was coming. She was like, yeah, she was two that year. And Becca was looking for a horse. And Becca was actually with my cousin at the time. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought, I don't really know her very well, but she's with Steven. And <laughs> I was like, you know, I know that they'll take care of her and, you know, whatever. And so, I don't know what, I never thought I would sell her. I really didn't. But I just, I don't know. I just kind of had a good feeling about it, I guess. And so, I did, I did end up selling her that year praying to God that nothing happened to the baby in Breeze's belly because I would have died if I hadn't got another one. Like, I would have been. Oh, yeah. I would have drastically regretted that decision. Um, But everything worked out, and um, I got Chesney that year. And so we took her back to Jonda, and we rebred her. And that next year was when we got Timber. But when we took her and Chesney down to rebreed, Jonda fell in love with Chesney and she, she wanted her and she asked me if she was for sale. And I said, no, I said, I almost did something really stupid. And I said, I sold the two year old that I had out of her before I got this one. And I was like, so I can't sell this one until I get another one. I said, but if the one next year is a filly, cause she didn't want to, she didn't want a stud colt. I said, if it's a filly next year, I said, if you guys are still interested, then I'll sell the one next year. And we ended up getting another filly, and so Jonda ended up buying her. So they came in, which was Timber, um, WTW, no T's, it's a breeze. And so that is, um, I sold her when she was, they left when, um, she left when she was four months old. And I just bought her back last September at the best of the best. That's a whole story in itself <laughs> for another time. Um, but I just bought her back, and she's seven. So now I have Chesney and Timber. So those are my two um, main horses. And then a few years after that, we bred Breeze back to Julie Castelli Stud. Um, Rick's Policy. I can't remember his name. I kept wanting to call it, say Monty. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but Rick's policy, Julie said, we bred her back to him. I guess it would have been, well, it would have been four years ago because Deeks is three. And I got Deeks, who's WTW, Corona, and a Breeze. And he was born during COVID. During COVID. Yeah. So that's the last baby that we have out of her. So, so there are four, and I own three of them. And if I had the money and Becca would sell her, I would own all four of them again. <laughs> So. She she's a breeze hoarder. She won't give them to anybody else. <laughs> Becca is lucky that she cashed in when she did. When I had a weak moment, that's exactly what happened. Let's just all keep praying for another weak moment. <laughs> yeah. So they have. So Chesney has um, restored my faith in barrel racing. <laughs> so you at that time. You traded Seamus or made a deal on Seamus for collars, and that's when you got back into barrel racing? That was when I started going more, yeah. So, Chesney was like a three-year-old, I think, um, 
the the summer that I got collars, so I was hauling collars, and I just clicked with her immediately. Like I I loved her. She was exactly what I needed. Um, I just needed a confidence booster, and um, I kind of knew that. So I got her, and so I hauled collars and Chesney together for a year, and I ran both of them. And then I had kind of gotten my confidence back, and I was ready to to really start focusing on Chesney. And so I had kind of started toying with the idea of, of selling collars. Um, but I but I'm super picky. Uh, if you ask my friends, I'm really picky about where my horses <laughs> go, and sometimes I'll hand, like I kind of handpick like the person that I want them to go to, and it just has to it just has to feel right. Um, with certain horses for me to, to be okay with getting rid of them. And Colors was, was one of those horses. Um, so when Holly needed, you know, she needed a horse. And I, I didn't send her there with the expectation that they would buy, but I just, she needed one and I wasn't using her. And so I, I knew I was going to try to start selling her. And I thought it'd be, it's better for her to be out being shown whether she buys her or somebody else. So people can see her and see what's going on. And so that was kind of the rest of that story with, with colors too. And you got along with her and liked her. And so that kind of, yes, she was a very important part of my story. We didn't touch on Fendi, but yeah. She is um the out of collars and she's I still own her and um she's one of my two year olds and she's super, super nice and um Carla Arthur has collars now and she's bred her to her stud and has a she baby. just seems like she's gonna be a good producer. So Yeah. So so yeah, I did that and decided I was gonna start focusing on Chesney and um that was that was a good decision for me. Um Chesney really Really started coming on the last two years, and so um, I'm glad that I did that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so talk about your other horses that you have now. And I know that you just told us that you got Timberback, but kind of what made you want to get Timberback, and what happened in between those years for you to decide you needed her? Um, so I had, I had Happy and I got him back and, um, he is not my style whatsoever. Um, he's kind of a barrel crasher and he's a real pushed out horse and I'm not that rider. And so I have, I, many reasons that I still have Happy, but, um, I still have him, but he's just, he's not very fun for me. And so Colors came along, and then Chesney came along, and Chesney is always, always, always hurt or sick. Always. Or winning. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she does. So she will win, but then she tries to die after she wins. So that is not fun. Um, but she, so last year, um, she was come. she was strong last year. She was running really well um she was starting to win some barrel races she was starting to at least be in the top five a lot um making mistakes she was still clocking and um we took her to she's she's always kind of just she just has this dumb things that that happen and so I feel like it's kind of like 
I get to run her for like three months and then she's hurt. And it's it hasn't been anything major, but it's just things that, you know, you can't help and she has to stay home for. And so I also had Image, who was um, the daughter of a smooth guy. And so I had kind of decided that those two horses were going to be, that those were going to be my two horses um, that I was really going to focus on. I was really going to put all my effort into and, um, I loved Image. She was really nice. She has a ton of potential, but, um, I just never really clicked with her. I loved her. She's the sweetest horse on the planet. Um, but I, she just wasn't it. Chesney, Chesney was it. Chesney feels like home. And I was listening to a podcast, um, of that Patricia with Red Hot Running Horses. I can't remember her last name. And she, I wasn't listening to a podcast. I think she had posted something Facebook on Facebook. Post. Yeah, because you and, immediately sent it to me and Ashley. Yeah, and she was just like, you know, I've had a lot of really nice horses, she said, but um, I've had to go through some really nice horses and sell some really nice horses to have the program that I do now because I think she had that horse that she calls Sway that she's won like, she won like $200,000 on in, in yeah. one year. And she said, you know, the horses that I had before her were so nice, but they just weren't the horse for me. And she was like, so I sold all of these horses. Um, and they went on to win with other people. They just weren't my style. They weren't, that was like the gist of the post. Basically it was like, you know, don't hang on to something unless, you know, that's the horse that you're winning on, or I can't remember how she put it, but it just resonated with me for some reason, and I thought, you know what, why, why am I, why am I doing this, like, why, why am I keeping all these horses, like, I don't have anything to prove, I have Chesney, I love her, you know, she is, I, I couldn't imagine getting rid of her, and I, I think you always have to have a backup horse, so I was like, what, what am I doing, so, I decided that I was going to try to sell basically everything I had. Um, and and I, I thought, you know, if the opportunity would come up, like, I didn't know what I wanted. But I just knew that I knew at that moment that I was okay with selling anything that I had except for Chesney. And um, so then, like, I don't know, what was it, like a week later? Was yeah. it even a week later? It was very, very quickly after I had read that. Yeah, I would say within a week. Um, Timber, she pops up for sale. I think somebody had sent it to me. And she was like, hey, you know, she's for sale. And I just knew, like 100%, without a doubt, immediately knew that that horse needed to be in my barn. And so I text Holly and Ashley and I said, I, I'm, I have to buy this horse. Immediately trying to figure out how she I was like, I don't know how I'm going to buy her. And I don't know what it was. I mean, she's she's Breeze's baby. So, obviously, I had a connection. I hadn't seen... This horse is seven. Six. Six at the time. She was six at the time. I haven't seen this horse since she's four months old. I mean, there is a lot of stuff that can happen from (laughs) the time a horse is four months old until they are, you know, six years old. But I knew that I had to have her. And I don't buy horses sight unseen. I don't think there's, I mean, I think there's a time and place for everything. Um, I don't look down on people for doing that. Um, but I, I'm just not that person because I'm really weird about, I'm really weird about um, vices and things like that with horses. And so that's not something that my anxiety would let me do. Um, but I, I told him, I said, I, I have to sell, I have to sell whatever I have to sell except Chesney to buy this horse. And 
so um I started making I, I made Holly message the lady that had her and because I didn't want her to know that I was interested in her and just all these goofy <laughs> things and but I kept telling myself I just kept telling myself if it's meant to be it will be don't get in a panic don't like worry about it if it's meant to be for you to have her it will be and um it 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 took a couple months I would say and I only had to sell oh I wouldn't even say that long maybe not I would say within a month month or month and a half maybe a month and a half I feel like it happened pretty pretty quickly yeah yeah so I ended up um I ended up getting thankfully I think the lady was asking way more than what the horse was anybody worth that didn't know the horse or how she was bred yes. specifically was worth and thank thank god she yes. did yes because she had I her think price she, way too high yeah so that's why she, i think she was still available and thank goodness yeah i kept uh every like few days i would be like holly message her and make sure she still has her <laughs> and i told holly i was like Ask her um, if she kicks on the trailer. That yes. was the one thing. Yeah, yeah Ashley, that I, was, I said, that's a deal breaker for me. <laughs> I said, if she kicks on the trailer, it's a deal breaker. And um, everything I would have Holly ask her, she, it was just like the answers were exactly what I needed. And um, I don't know. I ended up um, getting image sold to the perfect home, I think, to her person. Um, and so I felt super, super good about that because obviously I would have never sold. That was my thing is I know how picky I am about where my horses go. And so I was just, um, I was like, I'm willing to sell anything, but in reality, I, I, I'm not willing to sell anything to anybody. So I, and I knew that. So I knew that it was just going to have to be God's. It was going to have to be a God thing. He was, he, it had to be his plan for me to have her for it to work because I you know that's the, that's the only way it was going to work and um there's a very funny story with that that I'm not going to share right now <laughs> um but it all ended up working out image has a fantastic home with with her person it's where she needs to be and it just worked out that you know I she still had her and you know I ended up with her so um, she's such a nice mare. We were all drooling over when <laughs> Ashley bought her. We were like, man, any of us would be lucky to have her stand in our barn. So, um, yeah, very cool that you got her back. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more because I don't think that we have given her enough spotlight. Just a little bit about Chesney. She's your main horse. I know that she's been out for most of this year, but, um, yeah. tell us a little bit about her and her personality and what she means to you. <laughs> Chesney is, I don't know, she's her mother. Wait, are you talking about her mother or you? <laughs> we joke and say that Chesney acts just like Ashley. <laughs> yeah, we're both, we're both a little bit grumpy. Um, a little, little Eeyore-ish. Bit, yeah, and we're both very, very quiet and um, lazy and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we definitely have the same personality, but she is her mother made over. Um, I've never felt at home on any horse, and I actually, I love Timber. I love her. That horse could not fit me more, like, running-wise. Like, the first time I ran her, I felt like I had ran her a hundred times. And, I mean, she's still not finished, and she's not where she needs to be, but that horse... That I, I, I bought that horse basically sight unseen, like, a hundred percent sight unseen, and she is... Timber is without a doubt, she fits me honestly better than Chesney, and she fits me like a glove. 
Um, but Chesney just is home. Like, I've never felt that way on any horse except for Breeze um, until her. And she's fat. She's too fat. <laughs> um, she likes her apples. She loves her apples. Yes, she. we have apple trees, and she will fight the other horses for the apples. Um, but she just feels like home, and she has... Really, no quirks. She's just like her mom. They have no quirks. They have. They're just like. They're just like the perfect horse. Really, they. They do what you ask. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain them. They don't have any vices. Like they're. She just doesn't really do anything bad. Um, so, there's really nothing. I mean, I, I can't explain the way that she makes me feel. It's just one of those. It's just. It's just that feeling that you get when you're on your horse and as much as I love Timber and as much as she fits me like a glove like Chesney is home yeah so well you have a really cool um band of horses and before we get off that subject tell us a little bit more about Deeks Mm. (laughs) Deeks is three and he is hopefully going to Cody in a couple weeks I have I he is like very I use the term broke loosely. Um, <laughs> I'm getting old and I'm not about hitting the ground now. And so he is, he's going to go to Cody for two or three weeks. And then um, Julie will hopefully take him for a month. And then after that, I will start hauling him. So hopefully by next spring, he'll be four. He's. Maybe a smidge behind, but for me, that's nothing unusual. Um, and so, hopefully, he will be on the trailer. So, he will be, he's a half-brother, so he's out of Breeze and Julie Stud. And then, Timber and Chesney are full sisters. So, I will have a whole trailer full of Breeze babies next year, I hope. And watch out. <laughs> when you have three Breeze babies rolling in on the same trailer. <laughs> oh, man. We're all going to be sad beside you. Uh, no, I'm still holding out um, that Ashley's not a gelding person, and I am. And um, You're still holding out for Deeks? Yeah, so that's hopefully how I'm going to get my my breeds baby. <laughs> I love Yeah, I mean, never say never, man. I'm telling you. Well, I think that you have a really exciting future with those three. Um, so, to me, and I think a lot of other people, when you think of an Ashley Hammer course... They are in shape, quiet, calm, and go in and work and do their job. Tell us a little bit about how you achieve that and what you do day-to-day or week-to-week to keep them sane and fit and just working. So I'm, um, I'm like a very, very, very big stickler on horses um, being in shape. I don't think it's cool to pull your horse out of the field. I mean, if you do that, that's okay, but you will never, ever, ever find me doing that. If I don't get to ride, um, I don't I don't really run much in the winter. I live on top of a mountain, and it's hard to get trailers in and out, and we get a good bit of snow, and I don't have an indoor, and so I don't show a whole lot in the summer so my, or the winter, so my horses get, or they get, Way too much of a break, so they're very out of shape in the spring, and so I wouldn't even think about going to a horse show um, for probably six weeks at least, maybe two months. I usually, usually a month and a half if I get to ride a lot, uh, I'm cool with going, and I still don't consider them even in the best shape at that point. 
Um, I don't think a horse gets in running shape until they run. So I just think they're in good enough shape to not get hurt. Um, so you will never, ever find me pull a horse out of the field and, and just take it to a barrel race. Um, and then I'm very big on maintenance. And I'm also an Eeyore. Um, I'm just really <laughs> quiet. I'm really quiet with my body. And I don't have a lot of, like, I don't have a lot of energy. So I pass that on to horses. I feel like they can feel that. Um, but my biggest thing is, you know, if I feel like my horses walk flat-footed in the pen, and if they get a little excited, that's fine, as long as they're going in the direction of the pen and I don't feel like they're trying to get out of work. If they're excited about going in the pen, that's fine. But if I feel like they're sidestepping, or I know with Chesney a couple of years ago, she literally, I don't think anybody could have even seen it. I just felt it. Like, we were walking towards the pen, and I just, she just kind of, I just felt her like hesitate, but it wasn't even like a true hesitation. And I came out of the, and she went in and worked. She did fantastic. And I came out of the pen and I told Holly, I said, I think there's something wrong with her. I said, that's the first time she's ever refused to go. In, like She didn't refuse. I said, that's the first time she's ever hesitated going in the pen. And she's like, I didn't see anything. And I said, I know, <laughs> but I felt it. And I said, that's not what she does. And so I think, you know, maintenance is a huge thing. If your horse does anything that's, that's out of the ordinary, you know, um, have it looked at. Like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to spend a bunch of money just to go get a lameness. Um, so anyway, I, I think that helps. And then I just think, you know, your energy, um, helps going in the pen, just stay quiet and, you know, don't pick your reins up. Don't gather your reins until you're, you're ready to go. So, I mean, I could, I, I I will, I don't pat myself on the back often, but I am pretty good about keeping a horse quiet in the alley. So. All right. Just a few more questions here to wrap things up. What's your favorite saddle? Mm, why'd you ask me that? <laughs> my favorite saddle to ride in is my Stingray. Um, but my favorite saddle to run in is my Robbie. I okay. like Robbie. Uh, what vet and farrier do you use? So I use Martin C., um, and then I use um, Lynn Sparks, Katie Bucks, and um, Dr. Reiner. So I use... A team. <laughs> yes. So we have a team. I have a team of people. Do you have any superstitions or things that you will or will not do at no. a barrel race or before? No. I do not have any superstitions. I don't believe in that. I will run in yellow all day long. I will throw my hat on the bed. I don't care. The only thing that I do not like to do is I do not like for somebody else to saddle my horse or put their boots on. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I don't love it. It's not a superstition. It's not a superstition. It's just a weird thing about me. Are there any vices that you won't put up with? Absolutely. If your horse kicks in the trailer, you ain't even going with me. (laughs) I don't like it. I'm not about that life. Um, horrible experience, not getting into it, but, um, I will not put up with that and I will not put up with, I do, I do not like horses that are super buddy sour. I will put up with a little bit, but if there's one that's super, super obnoxious, I ain't doing that either. (laughs) Okay. Uh, that brings us to the rapid fire questions. Text or call? Oh, absolutely. Text. Who do you text or call the most? You and Ashley. Even more than poo? Oh, yes. <laughs> Frenchman Sky or Dash to Fame? Um, oh, come on. I know this answer for you. Dash to Fame, if I have to pick between the two. Yeah. Mare Gelding? 
Mare. Four-letter word that starts with B. Bird. Last Google search. Um, what was it? Northwest Hardwoods. <laughs> uh, do you sleep with your socks on or off? Off, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our very long <laughs> introductions about ourselves. We hope you guys enjoyed getting to know a little bit about us and the girls behind the mic. Thanks for listening to our podcast, where we're not so rich, not so famous, but, but we're, we're all trying, trying to be. be.